We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What up, everybody? Mike Focci here, and if you haven't already checked it out, go to PacersTalk.net for the latest coverage on all Pacer news. We have game recaps, game previews, and everything you can imagine. Let's go, Pacers. And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority! McKee gets it in the middle for the win! What is going on, Pacer fans? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. We have a very special show for you today, and I am joined, as always, by the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club, Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Alex, I am jacked up after that interview. Pacer Nation, we have something awesome in store for you. The man formerly known as Ron Artest, a.k.a. Meta World Peace. We recovered Everything under the sun. I think you guys are going to love this episode. Yeah, it was really cool to talk to Metal World Peace. Uh, just about his entire NBA career, how he's overcome the mental health issues that he had in his life and how he is trying to influence people to get that checked out. Talked about his time with the Pacers. Yes, we talked about the Mouse at the Palace. Don't worry about it. We did cover that. But um, a lot of other things we talked about, too. I think just a great interview. And uh, we talked some non-Pacer stuff. So, if you're an NBA fan, you're going to like this as well. So we encourage all of you guys to share this on any platform that you can and let people know that this was just a really cool conversation and Metal World Peace is just a really cool guy to listen to talk because he's full of 
Full of, uh, what's the right word here, Fachi? Full of what? <laughs> Full of wisdom. He's a colorful character. Everything all the above because he really touched on just about everything. Right, yeah. It was it was, it was was a great episode. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I think you guys will too. So we're going to get out of the way here. I know you guys are here to listen to Meta. We apologize for taking up a couple minutes of your time here before the episode starts, but without further ado, here's Meta World Peace. <laughs> Setting the pace, fans. Welcome back to another episode here. We are joined today by a very special guest. He needs no introduction. It is the one and only Meta World Peace. Meta, what's going on, man? Everything is great. Everything is really solid. You know, and um, just having a really good time. That That's awesome. And, you know, basketball, you, you have, you're not in the NBA anymore, obviously. But I would love to know what you're up to now, man. I mean, you know, basketball is a great sport, engaging. And, you know, obviously you see what's happening now. Everybody's just loving it around the world. So I'm still involved in basketball, just not in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely involved, definitely involved in basketball. Hey, Meadow, Mike Focci here. Last I saw you were doing some player development for, I believe, the Lakers G League team. Is that still going on? Well, oh yeah, so I was doing some development for that for the team, but it wasn't. Um, it was just part time. Okay. And hey, great. I just did it for. I did it for half a season. Not long. Awesome. Well, you know, Meta. I now understand that you got a birthday coming up next week. So happy uh, early birthday! Yes, happy birthday. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. I'm turning forty years old. I'm really excited to hit that new. I guess decade, and I still feel you're pretty young, which is awesome. I'm happy that I'm able to still run and play basketball. My son yesterday, so I'm very, very grateful. That's awesome. I mean, hey, Vince Carter can still do it at 42. Then you know, you still got a couple years on you. You still got it. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, Vince is just like really, really insane. And he's so talented, you know, to be able to sustain what he's sustained is just is just so impressive. Very it, it really, impressive. That's why they call him Vince Sanity, because he, he really is Vincent. But uh hey, Meta, I wanna promote a little bit about Quiet Storm, the documentary on Showtime. I watched it a few months ago, absolutely loved it. Talking about your come up, I mean the AAU days, you Lamar Odom, Elton Brandt, much more. I mean, can you tell us a little bit more about that documentary for those who haven't seen it? Uh, the documentary is about just me, and I got a little bit about the brawl and there, a little bit how I grew up. I think it's a documentary where people get an opportunity to just get to know me a little bit more. Not, I don't necessarily want the um, attention, but you know, sometimes it's impossible. Somebody always wants to do a documentary, and yeah, I just I just decided to do it. It came out on the Showtime. It's on Hulu right now. So it's pretty. It's pretty intense. A little too intense for me. And now Jermaine, he work. He's working on the Brawl, which that yeah. one is going to be insane. Netflix is doing that one, and the one Jermaine is doing is really really crazy. 
Uh, definitely excited to hear that. Uh, you know, speaking of Jermaine, well, we actually had him on the show a few months ago. He mentioned that you two recently got lunch together. I guess at this point, it was probably a few months ago, but it was something that you two yeah. never did as as teammates before. Uh, I know, do you feel? I know. Do you kind of feel like maybe there's more that you could have given the Pacers off the court to improve on the court, like lunch, dinners, anything like that? And it's, it's difficult when everybody has their own DNA. It's really difficult to do what the majority of people probably think you should do. It's not that easy. So I was one of the guys that didn't get a lot of lunch or dinners with my teammates. But when I coach now, I always tell players, make sure you get lunch with your teammates. Make sure you go to the movies. Make sure you call. Make sure you... You want to be as close as possible with your teammates, especially if you're playing professional sports. Because when you're playing professional sports, you're trying to win. Mm -hmm. In order to win, you need to be solid. You need to be together. So I I, got to jump back here a little bit before we get too ahead of ourselves. I want to start from your first days here with the Chicago Bulls. You were the 16th pick of the 1999 NBA Draft. You know, coming off just a decade of dominance from Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and those Bulls, what was it like playing for, you know, a, a rebranded uh, Chicago Bulls team, you know, to close out that decade? Um, wow, that team, that team is solid. You know, uh, you're talking about, the um the nine so what see what what season are you talking about in particular? I'm talking about when you were drafted in '99, you know, and you played with Brad Miller, Ron Mercer, you know, before you got traded to the Pacers. Uh, how right, was right, it those right, right. those years there in Chicago? I mean, look, the first year was tough, man. I couldn't really play; wasn't skilled. Still trying to figure it out. I was skilled on a for a 19 year old, but I wasn't skilled for the NBA. So that was just something that you just had to keep working at, keep working at it. Because I had the heart, but I had no skill. I mean, I, I wasn't confident in making moves. Mm-hmm. So I, I, when I developed that, then that's when it became fun. You know, after I developed that. Well, obviously they saw something because you still made you know the rookie all second team that season, despite you know you still being in the raw era of your. Uh, of your NBA career and you were still developing. And then, you know, you didn't last there too long, about three years or two and a half years before you were traded to the Pacers on January 27, 2003. Um, What was it like playing with the Pacers? And, uh, you know, when you got that call that you were getting traded to Indiana, how did you feel? I mean, I felt pretty good. You know, I felt like um, when I got the call, I mean, I always, I always loved the Bulls. But, you know, my time passed, and I had a chance to play for a team that was going to the playoffs, which made it a little easier on me because I could never see the light at the end of the tunnel with losing. I never saw any positives from that. When I would lose, I would show my true colors. And that means not being able to deal with the pressure of, of losing. You know, so finally, you know, when I got it going, then I, I you know, I was able to, um, at least experience winning. 
and it really helped me out a lot. Hey, Meta, one thing that, you know, winning is something that was happening once you came to the Pacers. I mean, you're playing some of your best ball. You're an all-star. You win Defensive Player of the Year. And while just seven games into the season, when the mouse at the palace occurs, I mean, you're truthfully playing MVP-level basketball. Do you think that was set up to be your best season yet and maybe winning your first championship? It was, um, I mean, it was amazing. You know, I mean, I mean, winning, winning my first championship was just insane, for one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, getting my first time making an All-Star. And that was a seven-year gap. Mm-hmm. First time making the All-Defensive team, getting the defensive player of the year. I mean, dream come true if you're a basketball player and you just want to go to the NBA, that's where everybody wants to go. It's the best basketball brand in the world. And to actually fulfill it, I mean, wow. So, so excited. So, you know, I got to ask about this because there, there's a, re, a reporter, Mike Wells. I'm sure you remember him when he covered the Pacers. He's come on local radio several times throughout the last years and, and talked about when you requested a trade – from the pay, uh, from the Pacers, and you told him that he could write that down. And so Mike Wells breaks the story that you have requ- requested a trade. So I just I just gotta go back and see what That's you remember story. from That's that really, moment and and talk about that, that really time when you asked for a trade. I think that's really interesting because at that time I didn't know that I told him to write that down because everybody knew that I was very emotional and I wore my emotions on my sleeve. So when he said you could, when he asked me if I, if he could write it down, me saying, okay, no problem. That's, I know that guy, right? <laughs> I, I'm like, wow. Yeah, that wasn't, you know, um, because I wanted the attention, you know, I, I always wanted the attention. And sometimes when you're, when you're an attention seeker, it's just not good. And now I'm kind of the opposite, although I still get opportunities to do television because I played in the NBA and I built a brand or whatever the case may be. But I always try to stay as far away as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, even now I have 30,000 followers on my Instagram and every time I get to 50,000, I delete my account. <laughs> so all my followers go away. Oh, wow. And I like, you know, and, yeah, I, always, I got 30,000 now. And you know it was my, it goes up quick, but then I make sure I get get rid of it quick. And it's just like I'm kind of the total opposite. Um, because I think I've been in the media enough. Right. For me, I'm kind of packed out. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> I don't really have much to say. I don't have anything else to. I have no more dances. I, I ran out of everything. Well, well, and do you regret that trade request? Oh, no question about it. No, it was a thing where, wow. I mean, when you're a selfish person, that's what happens. You do stuff. And you think it's always going to be greener on the other side. And that's just not the case. Now, on the flip side, you do what you believe in. So I kind of respect myself for, I kind of respect myself for standing up. Mm-hmm. for myself. You know, 
I really, I, I'm really impressed that although I acted out sometimes like a child, um, at times I was trying to just get what I want, but I went about it like I went about it the wrong way. I did it my way, which was an immature way, you know. But you know, I wish I would have went about it differently. Indiana was great. I mean, it would have been great to win a title there. That's why when they win a title, I just can't wait. I like <laughs> it. It it'll it take so much pressure off me when Indiana wins a title. I can't wait. I'm really hoping they win a title while I'm alive. I uh, name us too, Meta. But I gotta say, <laughs> uh, the your ball, the way that you played in Sacramento. You were playing some of the best ball of your life, so it really hurt to see you go because I felt like the Pacers were destined to win it all with you. But when you talk about acting out, you were someone who was very open about potential mental health struggles during your time in the NBA and even put out a song literally titled Tennessee at Halftime. So uh, how far has the NBA come to addressing mental health? You know, I I was – I don't know. I, I'm just so much open. I've always been an open book, man. I always wore my emotions on my sleeve, and I never, ever really was afraid to say whatever. And, you know, I tell people what I do. It's not, a, it's not the best thing. You don't want to be a professional player and telling people things that you do because it can come back and hurt you in so many different ways. Me, I don't really care. At the time, I, I you know I didn't really care. Like, I told people exactly what I did the night before. <laughs> Wild parties, and I could tell, and it's like, oh, you're telling everybody everything. You trust me, people. I was trusting, but then again, I wasn't trusting. Kind of weird, you know. I was very, I contradicted myself often, you know. It's a lot of contradiction because, so that you know, when you contradict yourself, it's kind of like okay, you you still don't know who you are. You're still trying to get some type of attention, you know? So, you know, but then my game, you know, my game wasn't very contradictory. I played hard. I worked hard. I got better. It was, it was really simple. Sacramento, I played pretty decent. And, I mean, in the end, I was at my best. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish I wish I could have just kept it going, man. I would have – I mean, I was so – but I was so dysfunctional. And then even when I was leaving in the end, I was, I was a wreck. I was a wreck. Um there's too much going on in my head, you know. Um, I guess I guess it's because I'm a Scorpio, <laughs> but no, that's not that's not a good excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I I know that a lot of fans probably will want to hear about you know uh, the mouse of the palace that are listening to this, and of course that is what is most memorable when it comes to the Pacers and Ron Artest and Metal World Peace. So I I have to get your your thoughts on this because. We actually did an episode about 15 episodes ago called The Mount Rushmore of Pacer Killers, and we put Ben Wallace on this list, and we felt like he played a bigger part in the whole entire brawl happening and felt like he was not uh, given the proper punishment with just a slap on the wrist, six-game suspension, where you guys were just completely you know, taken out of the league pretty much for this, for that season. So not to rehash the whole entire brawl situation, but... Uh, I got to ask, do you think Ben Wallace was, you know, properly given the right punishment or should he have gotten more than just a slap on the wrist of six games? You know, Ben is, um, Ben, uh, whatever, whatever happened to him has nothing to do with me. Uh-huh. 
you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what he should have got because I don't make those decisions. I just know that, you know, I, I, I mean, it's so long ago. Right. Ben is a good guy, you know. You know, I don't know. I, don't, I can't really speak on Ben, but you know, to see I, I, the, the season. I mean, well, I, I miss playing in Kaseko. Uh, it was fun, man. So many things go in my mind when you think about Indiana. I had such a good time. So such such a good time. Hey, Meta, is it uh, true that you had your agent? Call the Pacers to potentially come back to Indiana, see if a possible reunion was, a few years back. To, yeah, yeah, I was trying to get back. I was trying to get back right following to the Lakers, but it was. I, I just, I just felt like I needed to get there and win a title, but it was too much. Because you still, you know, how how are you going to trust Ron Artest, right? At that time, right? And then look at all the damage we've done. You know, no, it's too too late. But um. You know, when I was right before I went to the Lakers, I was trying to go to Indiana or Detroit. Those were my first option. Indiana was my first option. Couldn't get there. I tried Detroit, couldn't get there. You know? <laughs> well, what, what happened? Why did they get into Detroit? Did they? Was it like an exile? <laughs> they just, 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 just. You know, they didn't want me. You know, so as I understand. Because I just felt like I wanted to. I wanted to attack. I felt like that season was a. I was on a mission mentally, mental, a mental calmness mission, warrior, warrior mentality. True uh, warrior. Meditation. Yeah, definitely. That that season I was, you know, I play. I averaged 22 in the playoffs the season before that with the Rockets. And I just felt like, yo, I got I got I think I can win a title. And, you know, like, obviously we had a great team with that, um, with that Laker team. You have Kobe, so, but me personally, I was in a good space, and I'm and, and I just wanted to redeem myself over it. in the end. I was just really wishing I could get there, but it's too much damage, too much. Well, that's what I want to talk about a little bit because you know when you did request that trade, you know the reports came out that Bird was hurt, and so was Jermaine O'Neal, and I'm sure that you guys have probably all talked about this, but. Your relationship with Larry Bird, you know, being the man in charge there with Donnie Walsh for multiple years before he stepped down recently. Uh, what was your relationship like with Larry Bird? Oh, man. Larry is an amazing person, man. Larry, when somebody like, – I'll do anything for Larry if you ever needed me because he, he did anything for me when I needed him. You know, and obviously I rubbed him the wrong way and – um because he, he sacrificed time, like literally two hours a day was him watching me work out or him helping me work out, right? So that's time. And it's really hard to get that time back. You can give that time to your children, you know, your children, you know. So but those, things, those things you don't take in consideration when you're, a self, when you're a selfish person or when you're, you know, you don't take other people's time in consideration, you know, so... You, you act out and you do things and you think about it later. And that's, that's just normal. That's just human. Um, it, it's very human. Everybody made any same mistakes for years and years. But, you know, you try to at least tell people these lessons that you learn so they can teach it to their kids or they can teach it to themselves. You know, uh, sitting here today talking to you guys, you know, and uh, maybe somebody listening and they can understand, you know, time is everything. You can't waste somebody's time. And I feel like I did that with Bird. 
I appreciate that, and I'm sure our listeners will also. Um, you know, Meta, focusing now, transition over to current Indiana Pacers. I mean, they, they lack perhaps a superstar, but they have a definite all-star in Victor Oladipo and potential all-stars, Malcolm Brogdon, DeMontis Sabonis, and a ton of other guys. Uh, what will it take to bring that championship to Indiana that you spoke about earlier? Wow, man. Whew. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of basketball. So, so once, um, it, you know, I'm, I'm from New York, right? So obviously I, I want to see the next win also. I'm a Chicago Bull fan. First, my favorite team is Chicago, but I'm from New York, right? So then I play in Indiana and three of my, uh, people that I grew up with played in Indiana also, Vern Fleming and Sean Green, right? And obviously I love the Lakers. It's probably my favorite team right now. <laughs> right? So, um, but, you know, Indiana. So if they win the title, I mean, that, that, that would just be the best feeling ever. Because I felt like Don, Donnie deserves it. The, the city deserves it. You know, um, the city has been close so many times. Even the year before I got suspended, we was right there. You know, and that city deserves it. I think it'll take some talent. <laughs> it's going to take talent, and that's it. <laughs> that's quite it. You know, it's going, to take, it's going to take improvement from the players, and it's going to take – I think it's going to take a renewed energy from the fans because Indiana is such a basketball city or state. I think it, it can get um, too repetitive in terms of the energy. I think maybe a reset and then turn it back on. Because like, the fans, is, they push you. You know, the fans are pushing you. But every time you get so close, they must get tired of it. But I say, like, stay with it. And then it's going to be a collective effort from the players and the fans. And it'll be well-deserved. I will be very happy if that was to happen. I can't wait for that day. Uh, Meta, I'm curious. I don't know. Do you think you would have been as successful without that constant chip on your shoulder that you showed every night? And who was the player who brought out the the most intensity in you? Who was, like, your rival almost? Well, I probably wouldn't have been as successful because a chip was something that drove me to be great because the chip came from not wanting – um, not wanting to be around, my, like not wanting to be around negativity. I just needed to get out, and I had a bad temper. And the temper I had, you know, um, if I would have had the same temper at the same age back home, if I wasn't in the NBA, then that that leads to a whole different uh, scenario, you know. So, um. It, 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 when I when I retired, no, actually when I left Indiana, I got maybe five years in. I decided to be more calm and to be less passionate about the game because the you know you could be really excited and whether you're really happy or really mad, the levels are uncontrollable. You know, sometimes you get you get excited with joy, you just don't even know how to explain it. Right, it's a, it's a it's a great feeling, but some people can't deal with those levels of emotion. I was one of those people that couldn't deal with that level of emotion, whether I'm very happy or very sad. 
sometimes I could be very happy, but then somebody could hit me, I could flip the switch mm-hmm. because the levels are the same. You know, your body and your mind is saying, oh, wow, you're at a high level right now. Can't tell a difference, you know? So and that's why later on I just kind of said, okay, I'm going to sacrifice the past. I talked to my therapist about it. And I told her, I said, I can't control myself. And I said, I just want to, so she said, let's just sacrifice, you know, a little passion and just find that, that balance. So that I had to kind of settle for, I had to settle for being, not wanting to be the best anymore. Because the best was trying to be the best was driving me too much. It was taking me to, you know, I'm in the gym four, four times a day, six hours a day, just going hard playing, you know, defense and offense, summertime by myself. And when I go home, I'm at such a high level. I just can't wait for the next day to come so I can work, you know. And, and that's the defense that – and that's, what, that's why every single possession, I just can't wait for that next possession. I'm just, um, I'm just uh, you know, salivating for, for the next defensive possession, every single one of them, you know. And, and that, I don't think that's – it was, it was just, it, it sounds fun if you look at my defense, but for me, you know, I was, uh, it was very unstable. Yeah, very, very unstable. Yeah, that's, that's kind of an interesting story, and I'm glad you shared that with us because, you know, uh, you think that that's what exactly you'd expect and want from a player, but sometimes too much, you know, is, yeah. is a problem. So, uh, just to wrap up this conversation here before we do our segment we'd like to do with all of our guests is the hot seat questions where it's just rapid fire. Um, you know, we, we put out on our Twitter that we were going to have you on today, and we got some positive responses. But, you know, there's still some Pacer fans that were pretty upset with the whole entire situation that happened with the mouse at the Palace. And, you know, there's some fans that are still upset with you and angry with the whole situation. So, you know, what would you like to say to those fans that might be listening that – are a little bit upset with what happened about 15 years ago. They should be. <laughs> well, they I mean, you're gonna, I mean, you're going to beat yourself up the whole I, entire time for that, or I mean, I just yeah, you got to think about it. Like, like I said, the Hoosier Town, right? Um, I, and in Hoosier Town, you know, um, they they bleed it, you know, and. And then I gave them something they never seen before, right? So it's like you be it's like you're teasing an alligator with a you know a pig head or something, right? Like you know you tease them and they want it, and they want it. I'm teasing them with this talent, oh, this defensive intensity I was just so entertaining, right? I mean I watched myself sometimes deep. I'm like, wow, that was pretty cool, <laughs> you know. And and then it's like, okay, we giving it to you, Ron Artest. We giving it to you, the city. Um, Jermaine's embracing that the organization, and 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 then when I get it, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> when I get the accolade, the fame, what do I do with it? Uh, I I become irresponsible with it. Some of it was mental, and some of it was selfish. It was a little bit a lot. It was a lot, you know. It was a, it was a lot, man. It was sometimes people, man. I, I get it. I get why they're upset. And but I'm all. I also get why I was how I was. I'm 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 no longer like really mad at myself. I'm like, oh wow, you actually been through a lot, man. You know, when I think about it, 
you know, like the people when you when you have like when you have like when you're young and you have like two voices in your head. People, if you you know, if you never experienced that, people don't understand that. You understand? People just don't. So, 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 one side of me, is I understand it. I understand me. Okay, and then the other side, I understand the fans because it was something that could have been controlled. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't a, it wasn't a chemical imbalance. It was depression. It was, like, it was something that could have been controlled, but. I was so caught up in the moment and I was so stubborn. You know, uh, I, I, I grew, I grew a crazy amount of stubbornness and ego. It was a bad mix. So some of the stuff was, you know, just not a great person. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a good guy to certain people in certain scenarios, but then sometimes I could be a really bad guy. Right. You know, oh, yeah. and, and sometimes I thought, like, yeah, you know, sometimes I was, I was definitely like not a good guy, you know, very, very mean, you know, and, and not respectful of people's time. And you, know, you get these fans, they pay $25 for the ticket, you know, they trying to see how they're going to pay, they, you know, feed their family or they can't really afford the 25, but a lot of paces, you know, I mean, I, I would be upset too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand both sides of it, but I think, you know, uh, most Pacer fans have moved past if they're excited about the future of this team. And, you know, hopefully, like you mentioned, one day they will get that championship. You know, Toronto came out of nowhere, won a championship last year. So, you know, who knows how much longer it'll be for the Pacers, but I think we can all say we're excited for that potential day. So, Meta, if you are okay with it, we're going to put you on the hot seat now, and we're going to ask you just 10 questions and Usually the format is just rapid fire answers. So the first thing that comes to mind, uh, you know, but but take your time with it as well. Uh, don't feel rushed to uh, answer something just because. But these are ten questions. They're very lighthearted. So uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Question number one: Who is the goat? Wow. Oh boy, you're killing me with that one. I hate that <laughs> question. That's the worst. You know what? Will Chamberlain. Okay. That? Interesting. That keeps me safe. That's a safe one. That's a safe that is safe. <laughs> okay. So question I, got, I, got two, I, I ain't saying Kobe on the brown. <laughs> I ain't no that. MJ. Uh, MJ too. I ain't, I, I'm not. I'm not involved in that conversation. <laughs> I can't talk about. It. Too, too difficult. All right. Well, we'll move on. Question number two: Who was the hardest player to guard when you were in the NBA? Kobe. Kobe? Kobe, definitely. He's so good. <laughs> He's so good. All right, question number three. Who is the favorite coach that you played for? Oh, boy. Rick Carlisle. I hate saying that because it's just really mean. It's like, who's your favorite son, you know? No, I don't have a favorite, but <laughs> Rick Carlisle. Poof. I mean, Wow. I, I still think every time I think about his coaching, I'm always like, I, I, I'm always like, wow, he was so good, mm-hmm. still going strong, so, still going strong, so good, so good. <laughs> All right, question number four: Who is the best teammate you've had? Oh boy, that, that's 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 a tough one. It's, it's no best, right? Who was your favorites? I, mean, I guess. So we're it's 
I mean, I would say Yao Ming. Yao Ming was really amazing. Okay. Yao Ming was just. You know why I like Yao Ming? Because tell us. I wish I could have been. I wish I could have been like Yao Ming. <laughs> Yao Ming was. He, he was so humble. Guy was a superstar. Literally, literally did every single run and drill. Did everything like the last place player on the team. Coaches are telling him to get out of practice. He's like, no, I'm going to keep practicing. Coaches will say, okay, Yao, you don't have to do the running drills. Al's on the line, every single running drill. The guy is, like, impressive. I love it, guy. Okay. So as a rap artist yourself, this this offseason we had a little rap battle between Damian Lillard and Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I don't know if you heard those raps or not, but if you did, who do you think won that rap battle? Um, I don't know. Um, I think I always thought Shaq was the greatest basketball rapper ever, you know? Yeah. But that has, you know, that has nothing to do with their beef. I think today's the best rapper today to me is Lou Williams. Okay. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard of that. I think Lou Williams is the well, I mean, because Damon is very consistent, right? Lou's a hell of a rapper, you know, but Lou's not as consistent as Damon. Okay. And, and they both been writing. Damon's a really good lyricist, man. Even he's getting, he's gotten better, actually. You know, but I, I feel, I feel well, at a concert, I want to see Lou Williams. Okay, Lou Williams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Lou Williams got that energy. Oof. <laughs> he got that energy. He definitely plays like it. Uh, keeping with the Man, with, with the rap so theme here, uh, Kanye West's new album, Jesus is King. Are are you a fan of it? Um, I haven't heard it honestly. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 been really talked about recently, so I wasn't sure if you had heard it yet or not. But we'll move on. Um, no, so, I haven't heard it. I no, heard the title, but I don't I don't listen to Kanye. Okay. Hey Meta, I got I gotta say, I still bump True Warrior to this day. It's over a decade <laughs> old. That's my favorite song from you by far. Hey man, I oh man, you know what? Like Indiana was so supportive of my music and at that time I wasn't a really good music business person, but I felt the love. The support was so there with Indiana. And I, I just wasn't a really good song maker at that time and, and I was just trying my best given 100%. Um, I, w- I didn't know what I was doing, but I definitely wanted to release stuff. And it was it was, it was was stuff I wanted to say, but the stuff I wanted to say was not nice. <laughs> and so I was always caught in between uh, my, my, my songs from trying to make a nice song, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really making the songs I wanted to make. I wasn't able because I didn't want to. I didn't want to offend too many people, and so the so the music I made back then was not a reflection of me. You know, it was a reflection of cautiousness. <laughs> <laughs> it was a reflection of cautiousness, but you know, some of the reasons I wanted to make. You know, I needed I needed a little help making them, um, but you know, it was fun. I had a good time while I was doing it. It was fun. Absolutely, and I'm still a, a big fan of Moment of Silence for the Champions. That song gets me hyped every time. But moving on, who is your favorite player to watch in today's NBA? Um, whew, today, they're all so good. Oh, boy. 
everybody in life. Everybody's firing. There's not just you know, one that sticks out. I don't, I don't out even know who's my favorite. You said what? I said there's not just one that just sticks out to you? Nah, because even last year when Kawhi won the title and B, they was one shot away from winning. So mm-hmm. you can't give the I can't give the whole thing to Kawhi or the whole thing to Giannis. You know, I can't I can't just give it to Durant. And right. if anybody's the best is Stephen Curry, but now he's hurt and Clay's hurt and Durant's hurt. <sighs> right? So I mean Durant's hurt, so who knows how he's gonna come back. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Curry's hurt. So who knows how this is going to well, Curry's not that hurt. He's broken hand, right? So, right, I mean, right. He's, he's Curry, able to come back this year. I mean, he's the, he's the best, right? Okay. Let's, I mean, right, let's, he is the best. And it's hard to – every year he got to answer this question. Every single year he wasn't a finals MVP or like whatever. The guy is exceptional. And but you can't be the best for ten years straight. So he when he's not the best one year, people are like, Oh, I told you he wasn't that good <laughs> you know. It's just crazy. Curry mm-hmm. until proven until you have two or three consecutive seasons like Curry did, then we can talk about somebody else. I mean LeBron is amazing, but you know I, I don't know, it's hard Curry is just outstanding. <laughs> he's so good. Yeah, he uh, he definitely has made a huge impact on today's NBA. There's no doubt about it. The biggest impact is that a player came in. Is that a player and then Curry? Is that someone you would have loved to have played with in your time? Um, he would have made too many shots for me. I wouldn't have got no chances. The hell, I wouldn't want to play with him. (laughs) I mean, we already saw you go crazy with Kobe passing you the ball, but Steph passed it to you. I don't know. (laughs) I know how to be sitting there on the sideline. All right, next question. We got three more left. We'll try to wrap these up real quick. Who's the best trash talker that you played against? Hmm. The best trash talker. Um, I would say Paul Pierce. Okay, yeah, you pulled a shorts down, so. (laughs) Yeah, Paul Pierce. (laughs) Okay. He come out to, yeah. He come on to the floor. Yeah, right, he talking right from the start. Yeah, he's uh he talks trash on uh, his little gig there with ESPN as well. He loves to call out players. I I enjoy that he is the definition of his nickname, the truth. So uh, the next question: Do you believe that Carmelo Anthony should be on a team in the NBA right now? You know, it's hard to say. I don't, is he good enough? Of course, right? Yeah, definitely. Right. It's not. It's not. 300 players better than Melo. It's not 300 players better than Melo. Right, that's a fact. But is, is it his time right now? I, you know, they, they say no. You know, they say no. I, I would say yes, he should be, but, you know, it's just not the case. So, you know, what you going to do? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of sad just to see a player that was so good for so long just kind of fall off like this towards the end of his career uh, and, and not be given another chance. You know, I think a lot of fans would like to see Melo back in the league. But, you know, same thing with Dwight Howard. I mean, it took him a couple years to try to figure out himself, and now he's playing great with the Lakers, and it's, it's really cool to see. So the last question here for you, Meta, what is the best NBA jersey 
of all time? The best jersey? Yeah, the best jersey. Uh, yeah. Probably World Peace jerseys. Probably the best. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> fresh. <laughs> you say what? Pretty fresh. The World Peace jersey is pretty cool. I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure it'll be topped. Obviously, Jordan, <laughs> you know, Kobe in the back. But the World Peace jersey, I think that's pretty cool. That, that, is, um, a, that is a pretty sick jersey. Uh, my favorite jersey of my own book. My own favorite jersey is the '91 Indiana jersey, though. Love it, absolutely love that jersey. Yeah, that's my that's my personal favorite. That's probably my personal favorite jersey. That jersey was the, I mean, well, that, yeah, was, a that was a hell of a player right there. You like that over? You like that over the '23? I like I, I like the '91 over '23, man. I was, I mean, that year I was, I, I came out cooking, I, I, and oof. <laughs> Man, I wish the ball never happened. Oh my God! So do I. Good God! Oh, there, there is thousands and thousands of people who agree. Oh boy, I wish the ball never happened. I mean, we talk about the brawl, like you know, but we never talk about if it never happened. Like that season, I, I don't know. I was turning into a into such a great player. Oh my goodness! I just needed like I needed like another month of therapy, and then I wish like. I wish that cup would have been thrown like a month or two later. Not like right in the beginning of the season when I'm like, you know, still working on my therapy, man. Doing it. Oh. You were MVP status yeah. that year. Averaging almost 25 that oh. year. I mean, you're the best defender in the league. You're averaging basically 25. I mean, that was that was it. Hey, you want to know something, though? That's, why I'm, really, that's why I'm grateful, you know. That's why I'm like happy, man. Because like, a basketball is like my life. Not it still is. I'm still doing basketball business, and basketball is my life. And to say that I realistically had the opportunity to get the MVP, that would have completed everything. That's why I got rid of all my awards because I don't have the MVP. But I would have been in the discussion that year, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful. I'm I'm grateful that. I had that opportunity. I got every single award, you know, except that one. You know, um, so you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm very lucky to have played in the NBA. Well, yeah, absolutely. My, my last question about the brawl because I don't want to like cash on it too much. I'm sure you get asked about it all the time. So, uh, why in the world did Rick Carlisle have you guys out there with such little time left in the fourth quarter, a huge lead? And then I guess it's a two-part question. And, and did you really feel like your foul on Ben Wallace was that hard? You know why Rick Carlisle left me out there? I don't because, tell me because I play hard all the time, and he wanted to set a statement. And he knew I, I'm not going to stop. Rick Carlisle left me out there because he was he wanted to make a statement. He could have took me out, you know, which would have probably. Um, yeah, you know, it, it would have rewrote history, but, but but he knew I'm not giving up. He knew Steve Jackson was not giving up. And we, we could have said, wow, if Steve Jackson would have guarded Ben Wallace, I wouldn't have fouled him. But Steve, it, it's nothing Rick Carlisle could have done. Yeah. You know, he was coaching a game. <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's coaching a game. Um, but, yeah, it was good. Good times. All right. Well, Fachi, you have anything else? 
Uh, just one quick question, just selfishly. Uh, Meta, what was the Dominican dream Felipe Lopez like? Because I know you guys played together at St. John's. I loved his game. You know, um, Felipe was amazing. He was one of the he was one of the best players to ever come out of New York City. Mm-hmm. Really good guy, and you know, still still a legend. When people see him to this day, he's legendary. You know, love Felipe. Love it, love it. Hey, Meta, appreciate it. you guys. You coming on the show? Means a lot. Uh, absolutely loved watching you play during your time. So, hey, best of luck to you, and uh, happy early 40th. Hey, man, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.